Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you to the worship team and thank you to Andre and Miriam. I just wanted to let you know that uh, all this trouble with the candle lighting was on purpose. You know, we are in a uh, series here called Is Hope, Joy, and Peace Supposed to Be This Hard? So, you know, all that's very planned, very planned, all in very intentional. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I hope you're ready for Christmas. I uh, hope all the Christmas shopping is done. If uh, not, I hope you've started, unlike me, <laughs> who's today's the day. Uh, we'll get it all done in one day. Uh, but sometimes, uh, maybe it's not procrastination. Sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to know what to buy just the right person, right? Uh, you've heard it said, what do I buy for someone, you finish the sentence, who has everything, right? Sometimes you, don't, you just don't know what to buy because you want to get just the right gift. You want to get just the right gift for that special person. And you know that that person uh, means so much that you want to get it just right. And it's, and it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit of a struggle because you want them to know that they're important to you. This is always my dilemma with my wife. <laughs> like, what do I get? When we first got married, it was easy. Now it feels hard, but I want it to know that she's worth it. Today's sermon is on worship. And I see a parallel between worship and gift giving. Because gift giving, in some ways, you want to express to the person that they're worth it. And worship, at the heart of it, is the idea that we want to express to whatever we are giving our praise or adoration towards that they are worth it. The English word worship comes uh, from the idea of something is worth-ship. That's what we get the, the, the word worship from, that it's worth it. That when we uh, worship something, we are declaring uh, in our praise and our adoration that we uh, find what they have to offer valuable, important. They bring joy and happiness to our lives. Now, we can worship all kinds of things. We give our praise and our adoration to sports teams, right? <laughs> Dee Dee gives an amen to that one uh, for her Bruins. Uh, and uh, some of us will boo that we get, because that's not our team. We, get, we find a happiness, joy in our team, in the latest movie, in the iPhone 13, in the new car, whatever it is. We've said these things are valuable. And so we give and so we naturally say, hey, that's great by our lives and by our words. Now, the question that I have before us, before us this morning is, is seeking God worth it? Is seeking God with our lives worth it? Now you might think that's a no-brainer question. We're gathered in church uh, the Sunday before Christmas. Obviously, that's a no-brainer question. But I don't really think it's such an easy no-brainer question because many people have decided with their lives that God is not worth it. They've decided with their church attendance, they've decided with the dedication of their lives, they've decided with the things that they're going to give their attention to, that for them, God is 
not worth it. And this not only goes all around the society that we live in, but even among us as Christians. How many of us can say with all of our hearts that we are living for, God, for a God who is worth our attention and our effort to, get, to live our lives for? Is God worth it for you? Because it's going to be hard. It's going to take effort. Is God worth it? In, in the Christmas story, we are familiar with the Magi. The Magis are kind of staples in the, Christian, uh, store, in the Christmas story. And these guys went to great lengths to seek Jesus when he was born. So in asking the question, is seeking God worth it, we're going to look at their uh, search for the baby Jesus and to look for evidence in their journey of if it was worth it. Now, as I said, the Magi are staple in the, staples in the Christian story. And this is how we usually think of them. Three guys walking across the desert with palm trees in the background, wearing flowing robes, crowns on their heads, kings. We oftentimes sing about the Magi. We three kings of Orient are. And we get this picture of the Magi. Well, actually, I don't think this postcard image of the Magi is all that accurate. First of all, in the, Chris, in, the, in the biblical story, we're not told that there are three per se. Because uh, we oftentimes think three because they bring three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we oftentimes think of them as these magis, these kings, these wise men. But their journey is very long. In fact, it's a long and hard, arduous journey. And if we were to travel a long ways across the desert on the back of camels, chances are long flowing robes and crowns would not be the natural attire. And so we have to ask ourselves, what do we really see? What can we really know about these magi? Well, we should think of them as rugged searchers after the truth, not privileged, well-dressed kings. They're more Indiana Jones than Queen Elizabeth. These guys are on a quest. They're in, they're, they're in search after God to, to find the Messiah. So what we, what we know about the Magi is found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod... Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called Magi secretly and found uh, from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report... Uh, Report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them 
until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, now we turn our attention to you. And God, as we wrestle with this question, is seeking you worth it? We pray that you would come and impress upon our hearts in such a way that it would that it would touch us in a real way. God, I pray that we would wrestle with this, uh, this honest uh, question in our own hearts, that we would put it before you and that we would uh, determine in our own hearts and in our minds, will we seek after you with all of our hearts? So God, we thank you for the person of Jesus that came to this earth, the God-man to be born in a manger and to live a sinless life, to, be, uh, to die a on the cross and to be raised from the dead so that we may have new life in you. And God, we pray that as we turn our attention to him now, that you would come and that this even itself would be an act of worship, that in our hearts that we would delight in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are four characteristics that I want to point out about the Magi this morning. The first is their focus. The Magi were focused on on the right things. They wanted to know what God was up to in the world. Now their means for, di uh, for discerning this were to look at the stars. And somehow, I don't know how they did this exactly, but somehow in the stars, they were seeking uh, to find meaning from the Lord. So they were scientists in a sense, because they were studying the stars, but they were, they were scientists looking for theological meaning in the stars. And so they were theologians in a sense, because they were, uh, but they were using science. So we might think of them as uh, scientific theologians or theological scientists, but either way, my point is they had the right focus because they were seeking God and they wanted to know what God was up to in this world. To them, this was of utmost importance. See, this is a challenge for each of us today as well. I want to ask you, what is the focus of your life? Is it seeking God? Is it to know God? Is it to see what he is up to in this world? What's the focus of your life? Do you have a, a one-track mind, so to speak? All these other things are important, but there is one thing of, of utmost importance— and you dedicate your life to the study of the scriptures, to prayer, to, uh, to, to, to studying theology, to, to, to biblical preaching, to the service of the Lord, all because the most important focus of your life is the Lord. You see, the Magi present to us a powerful example that challenges our own hearts. They have their focus right. The second thing I highlight about the Magi is their fortitude. They had, the courage, they had courage and pain and adversity. The, their journey was not an easy journey. This was no walk in the park. It says in verse 1 that they are from the east. Now, most likely, the most uh, theologians understand that they're from Babylon, which is 
800 miles from Bethlehem. So you see, their journey is not an easy, hey, let's get in, let's get in the car and drive to grandpa and grandma's house and be there in an hour. Don't even think days or weeks, think months that they are on this journey across the desert on the back of camels. You know, when they, uh, later in the chapter, uh, Herod will put to death all the baby boys two years old and under. Have you ever wondered why two years old and under? Perhaps it is because it's taken them that long to get to Herod. This has been a long, hard journey, and they have shown fortitude. When they finally arrive in Bethlehem, I'll make one observation that I had never noticed until this week. Verse 11, it says, on coming to the house. They didn't find Jesus in the manger. They found him in a house. See, I assume, see we assume when we set up the nativity scene, the, the magi are all, always there, right? They didn't arrive at the manger. They never got to the baby when he was still in the manger. Mary and Joseph must have found a place to rent in Bethlehem. They were living in a house at that time. You see, this was a long, hard journey, an arduous journey that inspires us as well to keep going. This, uh, this Christian life of ours, it takes patience. It takes perseverance. It takes digging deep and having passion for the Lord. It takes fortitude. And the, and the Magi uh, inspire us along these lines. Remember that old Scottish song? And I wish I was a good singer here, but I'll do my best. Uh, it, it goes, I will walk 500 miles. Remember that? These guys went 800 miles just to be close to the Lord. It's a long, hard journey. They showed fortitude. And then the third thing we see about the Magi is they have finish. They go all the way. When they meet Herod, they're eight miles from Bethlehem, and they're still seeking the Lord. Could have been easy to quit. They're so close, but they finish the race. They go to the very end. For us, it takes finish. We can't give up partway along the way because the journey gets hard. We keep going. We keep seeking after the Lord, even when it's discouraging. Even when things are not going the way we want, it takes finish. It contrasts the Magi to the chief priests and the teachers of the law in this passage. Because they show up in the passage as well, right? Herod uh, calls them in after he's met with the Magi, and he asks them, where is this baby, where is the Messiah to be born? And they knew the answer. In Bethlehem, they've got a, a prophecy to quote to back it up. They quote Micah 5 too. In Bethlehem, eight miles away, but they never make the short journey. See, this, uh, I find there's something to be inspiring here among the Magi's finish. We live in a world in which there's not much finish. We might even have the head knowledge like the chief priests do. We know there are all the right answers, but it hasn't translated into our hearts where we actually go the distance to follow the Lord with all of our hearts. I had a dream this past week, and this is, uh, this is true, this was, this was my dream, and uh, in my dream, I uh, pictured a man who was standing in a store before some shelves, and uh, the man was standing there 
looking at the items on the shelves in the store. And he stood there for the longest time just looking. And then a uh, store clerk came up and uh, asked him if he could help him. And, uh, and, the, and the man uh, simply looked at the store clerk, and the store clerk pulled off something off of the shelf and handed it to the man, and the man simply uh, stood there and looked at the store clerk, never took it out of his hand. And I had that dream. I don't usually remember my dreams, and I don't want to read too much into it because I did have some questionable pizza that night before bed. <laughs> but it seems to me that there is some spiritual meaning here. God is offering us so much And yet, how often do we look at him with a dumbfounded look on our own face? What am I supposed to do with that? God gives us his blessings. He gives us his son. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us peace in our hearts. And yet, so often, we just stand there and we refuse to take it because we do not dedicate our lives to the Lord. And perhaps it's because we don't know how great what is being offered to us is. I had a conversation with someone this week. Larry and I were talking about our, our kids when they were young, and I, and I told him when Dawson was young, like four years old, like he was just a ball of energy. He would go from one room to the next room and uh, didn't walk there, ran there, even if it was 10 feet, just constant energy all the time. So I had the bright idea, I'm going to take him to a trampoline park. And, uh, you know, those jumping jacks or whatever they're called, these big trampoline parks, and uh, I said, Dawson, we're going to go to this trampoline park. It's going to be great. And what does he say? No, I want to stay home and play in the backyard. And uh, I'm like, no, Dawson, you don't understand. This trampoline park is going to be great. No, I got these sticks and these balls. Half the kickballs in the backyard are flat. And yet he doesn't want to go to the trampoline park because he has no idea what a trampoline park is. How many times in our lives does God come and he offers us this great life and we settle for sticks and flat kickballs in the backyard, so to speak, because we can't get our minds around what a life that would be lived with and for Jesus would really look like. You see, God offers us something so much greater than we could even get our minds around. And so my, so my advice to us this morning is take a chance. Seek after God with all your heart. We ask this question, is seeking God worth it? My, my understanding is, heck yeah, seeking God is worth it. We ought to dedicate our whole lives. He's offering us something so great. This week we're going to celebrate Christmas. But the only way that we really celebrate Christmas is if Christ is a part of your life. You see, Christmas has, as we just sang, Christ at the center of our lives. If you're going to get together and celebrate, but Jesus isn't going to be a part of it, just call it a holiday, will you? Call it a party, call it a festival, I don't care what you call it. Just don't call it Christmas. Because Christmas means that Jesus is in the center of our lives. So how are you to celebrate Christmas? Here's my thought. Tell Jesus he's worth it. Invite him in. Make him the king of our lives. Uh, uh, welcome him in. You see, we're going to have a birthday party. And I've, yet, and I've yet to be to a birthday party where the birthday boy wasn't welcome. 
right? And so let's welcome Jesus in. He's the center of it all. We want to celebrate Christmas. Tell God that Jesus is worth it. You know, this morning I asked that question, is seeking God worth it? We've been looking at the Magi. We've noticed their focus, their fortitude, their finish. But I've saved the best for last. There's one more thing that I want us to notice about the Magi, and that is their fullness. You see, after they arrive at the house, after their long, arduous journey, two things happen. One, they are filled with joy. And two, they worship Jesus. Look at, this, look at these verses again one more time. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy. Joy overflowing. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. You see, joy and worship always go hand in hand. You worship what you find joy in. You worship what your hearts delight in. Whatever you find pleasure in, that's what you automatically and naturally give your attention and your praise to. Nobody had to tell the Magi to worship. They worshiped because there was joy in their hearts. You see, the 800-mile journey across the desert on the backs of camels for months on end was worth it, we know, because they had joy and worship in the end. And your journey of seeking God may be long, and it will be hard. And perhaps you've been traveling for a while already, and your feet are dusty, and your back is hurting, and you've faced Satan's temptations and trials and tribulations, and you've gone down some dark alleys in life, and your heart has grown heavy along the way. It's been a long, hard, arduous journey. But, and here's the but of Christmas, but if you seek God, your life will always end in worship. Why? Because in the end, you will be filled with joy and you will know that God is worth it if you seek Him. Amen? Amen. That's what the Christian life is all about. In the end, you'll go through a long and hard journey, but you will know that God has been with you and He has helped you and He's picked you up when you have fallen. In the end, through it all, you will come to know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. In the end, you will have run the race, but you will not have grown weary because you will know that God has strengthened you along the way. In the end, you will have hope and peace and joy. And in the end, you will have sensed the love of God. You will know His pleasure upon you because you have sought Him. In the end, you will hear those words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. See, I'm getting excited now because this is what Christmas is all about. It's a birthday party. It's a celebration. It's Jesus not only coming into the world 2,000 years ago, it's God sending his son so that we can have, uh, he can be born into our lives right now. It's worth celebrating. And so that's my question for you this morning.
for you to honestly wrestle with in your own heart, is seeking God worth it? And I know my answer. My answer is not just, yeah, heck yeah. God's worth it. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's our Savior and the hope and joy of our lives. He's transformed my life. Has he transformed your life? I know he can because he's the one that has the power. So this is my challenge for us today. It's a good challenge. My challenge is to celebrate, to get excited because you serve a God who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but you will have eternal life. And that's worth celebrating. That's worth getting excited about. That, that's, a, that's a God worth worshiping. That's a, that's a truth worth building your life upon. And that's what Christmas is all about. God sent his son Jesus to this earth because he loves you. And he wants you to have a relationship with him. Amen. What a great truth. That's Christmas. Let's stand. And we're going to uh, sing Joy to the World here in a moment. And Joy to the World is a great song to end, uh, to welcome in Christmas with this morning. I hope you have a good Christmas. And most importantly, I hope that, uh, that Jesus is the center of your Christmas. That Jesus, that Christ is right there in the midst of it all because that's what really makes life worth living. You know, we get all excited about Christmas and uh, parties and gifts and, all, and everything. Man, the best thing about it is that Jesus can be born into our lives and that we can have a relationship with him. So the worship team's going to come and uh, the prayer counselors are going to come. And uh, this is our opportunity to celebrate and worship the Lord. So sing it out like you mean it. Sing it out like it's a birthday celebration. And if you want to come and pray with the prayer counselors, they would love to pray with you. And they would love to uh, pray about whatever's on your heart. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord this morning. Maybe you want to uh, express to God the joy and of, the, of the salvation that is in your heart. But let's worship the King. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that it is Christmas. And that we have a God that is worth celebrating. We thank you that we've got a ki the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you that we've got a Savior, a, 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 the joy and the hope of our hearts in Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we sing this song and as we go into this Christmas week, as we look forward uh, to Christmas Eve and to all of the family celebrations, God, we pray that right now you would stir in our hearts and set us to, to have a focus on you so that you will be number one in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.